It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. Well, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn somewhere, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 is where we're eventually going to be. Uh, We've been walking through this idea of life in the Word, and we've been talking about what does it mean to live and abide and surrender and just live in the reality of Christ uh, very specifically. And I want to start shifting over these next couple of studies and look at not just what does it mean to live in Jesus, the Word, uh, but what does it mean to live in Scripture, the Word. And just to even set a basis or a concept, a foundation for all of that, I want to talk about this idea of God speaking. Do you realize that in Scripture uh, and in just history, God is not silent? And I know that in, in Christianity, we have this idea sometimes where it's just like, I can't hear him. If I just had a burning bush or a neon sign in the sky. And truth be told, if we had those things, we probably still wouldn't hear. So it's interesting, though, that when you get into Scripture, the word... Uh, God is not silent. In fact, look at the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, it says, God said, and then he spoke creation into existence. So even from the very beginning, God is a communicating God. In fact, uh, here's Adam and Eve in chapter 3. They sin. Do you realize that the very first thing that God does after humanity falls into sin is that he begins to communicate? Uh, Look at this. In Genesis 3, 9, Yahweh God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Our God communicates. And that should be encouraging to us. So please tell your faces. <laughs> this is good news. Uh, doing a quick overview study, and I think Eric's preached a whole bunch of sermons on this topic. But looking at the voice of the Lord, I just did like a quick overview, kind of a survey of scripture uh, this last week. And it's interesting to look at what Scripture says about the voice of the Lord. And I just want to give you a summary. When you look at this idea, God's voice is like this thunderous, rushing waterfall thing. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, look at how Scripture describes it. Uh, in Psalm, Psalms and Ezekiel, it describes God's voice as a strong, mighty, loud voice. And you could say, well, what does that mean? Like how loud, how strong, how mighty? Well, throughout the Old Testament and in the book of Revelation, it's described as a very loud, like clap of thunder. Could you imagine how cool that would be? Uh, In Exodus, Hebrews, and Revelation, it's described as the sound of trumpets. Uh, In Jeremiah and Ezekiel, it's the sound of mighty waters rushing. This like us. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to like Niagara Falls like, or, or a massive waterfall, uh, but you get close to the falls. You can't hear someone talk in your ear. Why? Because the water is so loud. It's that kind of a sound. Uh, in Isaiah and Revelation, I thought this was interesting. It's described, his voice is described as a musical instrument, particularly tambourines, lyres, and harps. Just intriguing. Uh, and Ezekiel describes... God's voice as the same sound as the wings of the cherubim, which are like the tumult of an army camp. So I don't, I don't know how you want <clears> to, <throat> or what you want to do with all that, but it's interesting that God is speaking and his voice is like this thunderous rushing water thing. I don't know what to do with that either. Uh, but that being the case, l- listen to Psalm 29. L- listen how beautiful this is. The voice of Yahweh is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. 
Yahweh is over many waters. The voice of Yahweh is powerful. The voice of Yahweh is full of splendor. The voice of Yahweh breaks the cedars. Indeed, Yahweh breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of Yahweh hews out flames of fire. The voice of Yahweh causes the wilderness to tremble. Yahweh causes the wilderness of Kadesh to tremble. The voice of Yahweh makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. And then you get this really awkward scene where there's this prophet and he's running into the wilderness and he's hiding in this cave. And, and you know the story, but let me just read this to you. In, in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, God is talking to Elijah and he just did the Car- Carmel thing and he called down fire from heaven. But, but listen to this. God says, go forth and stand on the mountain before Yahweh. And behold, Yahweh was passing by and a great and strong wind was tearing up the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before Yahweh. Now, pause. That sounds reminiscent of what the scripture says his voice is like. That, that it tears up the forest and it's just this loud rushing noise. And yet, Yahweh was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but Yahweh was not in the earthquake. Then after the earthquake, a fire, but Yahweh was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a thin, gentle whisper And it happened that when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So isn't this an interesting contrast? God's voice is this rush. It's this loud. It's this thunderous clap of thunder and rushing waters. And then there's all this cacophony of noise. And then yet it's like this quiet, gentle, still whisper. And it's interesting to me that if I heard a big clap of thunder or rushing waters, you know, like in my life, I'd go hark. <laughs> the, Lord is, the Lord is speaking. And it isn't interesting in our lives. A lot of times, though his voice has that as a attribute, and that is his, the sound of his voice, isn't it interesting that more often than not in our lives, his voice comes more like the Elijah thing, and it's like a quiet whisper. And you have to be still, and you're going to have to pay attention, and you're going to have to tune your ears to him, otherwise you're going to miss it. So though it is this loud thing, it's also this very quiet, gentle, calm thing, which is why I think in Psalm 46 verse 10, we are told to be still or to cease striving, to, to remove the distractions so that we know who he is. And isn't it interesting in the days in which we live, we are, we are so caught up in all of the gadgets and ga- you know gadgets and, and all the noise and all the social stuff and all the just we are so surrounded by noise that it is so easy not to hear his voice. So even though his voice is this loud thunderous thing, strangely we can easily miss it, which is sad to me. But as you come into Scripture again, God is a cum- communicating God. God speaks. And as you work through scripture, you begin to realize that God communed directly. Think about how cool this is. God himself directly communicated with people like Adam and Cain and Noah and Abraham and Jacob and Moses, the prophets, and a host of other biblical characters. And you begin to get this idea that God actually wants to communicate with you directly. That he doesn't want to just speak through someone else. That, that's true too. But God wants to communicate to you. 
Uh, he wants you to hear his voice. He, he wants to speak Oftentimes in those impressions, he wants to speak in the innermost part of who you are. And though God spoke in a variety of ways, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says about this. He says at the very beginning of Hebrews, God, having spoken long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways. And if you study the prophets, God did a lot of crazy things in speaking to the prophets. And yet, listen to this, in these last days, think how profound this is. God has spoken to us in Jesus. Isn't that brilliant? So God is communicating, and how is God speaking to us? In Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power, who, having accomplished cleansing for sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That God is communicating to us through Christ. Well, what does his word sound like? Yeah, it's this mighty rushing river. Yeah, it's this thunderous clap. But, but what, are the, what, are the, what, is the, what is the language? What is the voice? What is the communication of Jesus like? Listen to what Jesus says in John 6, 63. He says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Or, or, or look at John 6, verse 68. Simon Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Do you realize that in Jesus, he ha his words are life? Uh, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words are eternal. They will never, ever, ever pass away. So if you're going to hold tight to something, man, you better hold tight to the words of Jesus. You better hold tight to what he's communicating. You better hold tight to the fact that he is communicating something directly to you. He is yelling in your face. He's hitting you over the head with a two by four. He wants you to pay attention. He is speaking. That's encouraging to me. And then listen to this in Psalm 19, verse seven. The word of Yahweh is perfect and it restores your soul. And isn't, isn't it true in our generation in which we live, we are Man, we are so addicted to all the, you know, the depressive stuff, <laughs> the stuff that's supposed to fix depression, right? We're on all these anti-depression stuff. We're on all these meds. We're, all, we're, we're trying to find some joy and hope. And as a culture, do you realize that it is the words of God himself that are not only perfect, but they are the restoration to the innermost part of your being? So if you are stressed, if you are tired, if you are depressed, if you're full of fear and anxiety, do you know what we need? We need to listen. We need to be still, cease striving, and hear him communicate. And again, it goes back to this idea that God speaks. Uh, as, you, as you kind of do a survey of how God communicates, he communicates in a variety of ways. We, we understand that. And this is not a complete list, but let me just give you a short uh, list of how God communicates. God communicates through his spirit. Uh, one great example of that in the book of Acts, and you see this throughout all of scripture, but in the book of Acts, uh, here is this great character by the name of Philip, and the spirit of the Lord stirs him and says, hey, go over and speak to that guy in the chariot. And he literally, God is communicating to Philip through his spirit. Uh, he speaks through the body of believers, right? That, that, that God has put the body around us. Why? To give us wisdom uh, in Scripture, there's this idea of a prophetic word, uh, but there is this encouragement and wisdom in the multitude of counselors, and it is as we are around each other, we are to be encouraging, and God will use that. 
to, to give clarity to us. God speaks through visions and dreams. Think of like Joseph or, uh, or Paul in the book of Acts where he's, he's planning to go somewhere, but he has this vision, this dream of the, the guy from Macedonia. And so Paul literally changes the missionary journey so that he can go to Macedonia. Why? Because he had a vision and a dream. Or, or this idea that God will lead through his own providence, that, that God will open and close doors. Why? Because he will steer you. And, and sometimes the way that he communicates is that he literally will, will open doors, that he will guide you down certain paths, and you're like, I have no idea why I'm here. And yet that's actually one of the ways that God can communicate to us. I'm going to come back to this scripture one, but obviously God communicates to us through scripture. And I do want to mention one other, because you see this in the Old Testament, the idea of casting lots, right, where you, where you put a couple options, and you throw them in a little bag, and you pull one out, right? It's drying sticks pulling out the rocks, fleecing God, whatever language you want to use. And uh, you realize that is an Old Testament thing. But after Acts chapter 1, right, as they picked out who's going to replace Judas, and the, and the Spirit of God comes at Pentecost, you never again see casting of lots, which I think is interesting. You can do whatever you want with that, I guess, biblically. <laughs> but I want to come back to this idea. God's primary way of communicating to us, though all of those he communicates, do you realize that the unchanging standard, the, the measuring rod of all the ways that God communicates is Scripture. That this is his unchanging word. That there has to be something, if we're going to listen to how God speaks to us, there has to be something that doesn't change that we can measure everything against. Does that make any sense? In other words, uh, you come up to me and say, Oh, Nathan, I have a great word of wisdom for you. I'll go, great, tell me. But do you realize, though I will listen to you, I'm not buying it until I take what you have said and measure it against the book. Because who's to say you didn't have like a bad Taco Bell experience and you're just, you know, you're, you're speaking out of delusions, you know, <laughs> which happens if you ever go to Taco Bell. But, 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 but how do I know what you're saying is, is, is true? How, how do I know? Well, it's because God's word doesn't change. I, I get a sense or a stirring in my spirit. Well, God's speaking to me. Yeah, he might be. But I, I need to measure that against his word because he will never, ever contradict his word. And this is, this is the measuring rod. Uh, this is the standard. Does that make any sense? So God's going to communicate. God's going to do it. He will speak to you, folks. He will, he will impress upon you his life and his words. And yet, there has to be some unchanging standard in our life which is scripture, uh, which is why over the next several studies, I, I want to dive into this idea of what does it mean for us then to have life in this word, uh, in the word of God in text, because that becomes very important if we're going to have life in the word of God in person. Psalm 119 says this, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Do you recognize that scripture illuminates the direction and the word, the, the, the path that God has for us. That's incredible. I don't know where God's leading me. I don't know either. But be in the word. Because his word will give you direction. And, and again, for clarity's sake, it doesn't mean it's a spotlight. I've never had a spotlight. Shining 50, you know, 50 miles down the road going, I'm heading there. I have a lamp. I don't know if you've ever used a lamp, but a lamp gives you enough light for like one step. <laughs> But it's as you walk in obedience to the light that you have, the one step, you gain insight, light for the next step. 
So he's going to lead you by the word. But a lot of times, it's not a spotlight down the road. It's the little light for the moment. But we can trust that. Now, I would encourage you at some point, if you have time this week, to read through Psalm 119. Now, if you're astute, you will say, hark. That's the long one. You're right. (laughs) That is the long one. Uh, But Psalm 119 is is incredibly beautiful. In fact, Psalm 19 is a parallel to Psalm 119. But what Psalm 19 and what Psalm 119 is doing is that it's talking about the beauty and the blessing of God's word. And it uses a variety of terms. Like it will use precepts, laws, testimonies, instruction, commands, statutes, judgments. It uses those terms, but it's talking about how God communicates with us. It's talking about the beauty of the word itself. And I would encourage you, that this week, read through Psalm 119 and notice how many different words is used to talk about God's word. And then notice how many blessings are associated with being in the word. And in other words, when I come and I center my life and, and use scripture as the foundation for my life, scripture says there is a great blessing that comes from that. So again, I would encourage you to read through Psalm 119 because it's all about the beauty and the blessing and the joy that the word brings. So all that being said, let me, let me summarize the question. I think in our culture, the question we often ask is, is God speaking? But that's the wrong question. God is speaking. The real question is, am I listening? Am I heeding? Am I obeying? Do you know how many times throughout the gospels, Jesus says something to the effect of, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In fact, in the book of Revelation, when Jesus is writing to every single church, right, in Asia Minor and Southern Turkey, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, every single letter ends, this is what Jesus says, this is red letter stuff, Jesus says at the end of every one of those letters, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you realize God is speaking? So the question is not, oh, is God speaking? Yes, he's speaking. The question is, am I listening? Do I, do I have an ear that is actually bent toward him? The, right? The Old Testament idea was that my, my ear was pierced, that, that my ear was given to the voice of the master. Is your ear pierced? Is your ear governed by him? Are, are you listening to what he's saying? Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 10. Uh, this is that great shepherd's chapter. And Jesus says in John chapter 10, starting verse three, he says, the sheep hear his, the shepherd's voice. And the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings all his own out, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And then Jesus goes on and says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Now, if you're here for several studies ago, uh, we were talking about the word gnosko, right? It's not just information, facts, data. It's this idea of intimacy. It's this idea of experience. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He says that as a shepherd, he's a good shepherd. And the word good, uh, again, our, our language in English is pretty poor. Good is just like, eh, it's good. I had good pizza. You know, I had a good whatever, right? I had a good experience. But the word good is like this 
intense superlative in the passage. Jesus is not just a good shepherd. He's like a phenomenal shepherd. Like he's a bodacious shepherd. He's like a phantasmagorical shepherd. I mean, he's like, he's it. Jesus says, I I am a good shepherd and I intimately know my sheep. And my sheep intimately know me. That they know my voice. And do you realize that that we as the sheep of his pasture should know the voice of our shepherd? That that, that we should know when he's speaking. Not not just through the word, though that's the primary. But but when he impresses himself upon us through his spirit. That, that, That we should know, we should be so acquainted with him that we can easily distinguish his voice from any other voice. I don't know about you. I remember growing up as a kid and, and we were in this church. My parents didn't even have to say anything to us. Uh, usually as, as kids or as teens, you know, we, we always sat in the first couple of rows and we would be goofing off. And my parents wouldn't have to say anything. They would just clear their throat or they would just go. And we would know it. Why? We were intimately acquainted with that sound, which meant if you do it again, you will experience it at home, right? That, that, that we had somehow had, had been so familiar with our parents' voice that they didn't have to say, Nathan! All they had to say was, <clears throat> hark. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, Lord, I, I hear it. Wouldn't it be neat if we knew the voice of Jesus like that? I mean, wouldn't it be phenomenal if, if we were so acquainted with his life and, and with his character and with his attributes and, and with his word that we would just, we would clearly know when it's his voice versus another voice. Uh, you, you've heard the illustration of, you know, of how does a bank teller tell the difference between a $100 bill, a real one, and a fake one? Well, they spend so much time with the real one, they're actually not even allowed any time spent with the, with the counterfeits. Because if they spend all their time with the real one, even if they can't explain what's wrong with it, the moment they handle a counterfeit, they just go, ah, something's wrong. Something's off. Wouldn't it be incredible to have such an intimacy with Jesus, such a relationship with the shepherd, that you're just spending so much time in his, his written word, which is the clarity of his voice. But, but when, when you have those impressions and when you hear the voices, you just go, ah, that, that's, that's the voice. Or, ah, I don't know, that's, there's just something off. Whatever that is, that's what I want. That, that I, I want to have a clarity of communication from the God of the universe. But you realize that, that if... That if I'm gonna get to know, if I'm gonna know his voice, if, I, if I'm gonna somehow be able to know his voice so well that I can know the difference, you realize it's gonna demand that I spend time with him. I love, I love what Tozier said, and I think I read this a few studies ago, but he says, It is well that we accept the hard truth now. The man who would know God must give time to him, he must count no time wasted which is spent in the cultivation of his acquaintance. In other words, would you get to know Jesus? Would you get to know his life? Would you get to know his words? Would you get to know his heart? Would you, would you get to know his attributes? Uh, one of the things I loved doing this last summer is when I was walking through the names of God, for me that was so profound and so beautiful because the more I get to know his heart and the more I get to know his nature and the more I get just to know who he is, it's just like, oh, of course he would speak like that. Oh, of course that's his heart. Oh, I just, I just, I just. And, you, as, and the more you just get to know him, the more you love him. And the more you love him, the more you want to just hear from him. And the more you hear from him, the more you just, 
Isn't that beautiful? And what would it look like if we as his sheep were so tight with Jesus, the shepherd, that we just, oh, we would just know his voice. Let me just give you one other idea before we close here, uh, which sounds awkward then after all that. Uh, But it's this idea of what would it mean to stand naked uh, before his word? (laughs) Which we're not going to demonstrate. And we're not going to talk about the book of Mark, even though, you know, he ran ran away naked. Uh, In the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 4, there's this phenomenal passage, and and you know the passage well, and it's in the context of rest, and and I'm not going to, we don't have time to get into all the context stuff, but let me just read this to you. Again, we're talking about what does it mean to have life in the Word, and primarily, we're talking about life in Jesus, because He is life itself, but there is the play on the words, because life in the Word, we're talking about life in the Word in terms of the person, Jesus, He is the Word, but also life in His Word's right? In scripture, the the word of God in text. And if we're going to have intimate life with him in terms of life in the person, do you realize that you must allow the word of God in text to strip you down? So let me just give you the passage. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. And, And you know the passage well, but listen to this afresh. The writer of Hebrews says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now, all growing up, I was always told that Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 is talking about Scripture. That God's word, Scripture, is a double-edged sword. That scripture divides. That scripture is living and active. And that is true. I don't want to downplay that. But do you realize that in the context, it's not talking about the book. It's talking about the person, Jesus. Uh, Listen to this. The very next verse says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. It's in the context of the word of God. That the word of God is living and active and he's piercing, he's dividing, he's just cutting you to pieces. And you cannot hide from that. Now, it is true, and I don't want to downplay the fact, it's still talking about the book. Because you realize God is, is going to use his book to divide your life. Hey, this, and this is living and active. This is sharper than a two-edged sword. But think about this. Here's Jesus who is the word of God and he is living and active and he is sharper than any two-edged sword. And he is going to pierce your life and he is going to change who you are and he's going to cut you to pieces. Bless God. <laughs> and again, he's going to primarily use his word, right? That this is the standard, this is the measuring stick and this, this book will confront you. But, but listen to what this says. There is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are uncovered and laid bare. It's the word naked. To the eyes of him to whom we have an account to give. So think about this. I come to Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, the word of God, you are living and active. And God says, yes, I am. I'm going to pierce you. Why? Because when you take your life and you take your life and you measure it against the perfect standard of God, which is revealed in scripture, when you come and you get in the word of God, do you realize what the word of God's going to do? It is going to strip you down. When you spend time with Jesus, he does not let you hide. That you are literally stripped naked, as awkward as that sounds. That here you are, you're coming to God, and he just goes, 
and you're like, holy cow, this is not good. And like Adam and Eve who realized when they saw that they were naked, right, that there was this propensity to create a fig leaf, which that had not have been comfortable, right? They, they created this fig leaf pair of boxers, you know, and this, it's just, and God's like, that's not, that's not working. Wouldn't it be interesting if rather than being forced to strip bare, what if we actually came and made ourselves available to God and just says, God, will you strip me down? God, would you take your word, your written word, would you pierce my life? And as I come before you, would you take your perfect standard? Would you measure my life in any area of my life that doesn't look like Jesus? Hey, would you reveal that? Would you pierce my life? Because I don't want to hide. I don't want to justify. I don't want to have a single thought or an attitude or a motive or, a, 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 or an action or a word that comes out of my life that, that's, that is counter to the reality of Christ. So God, would, would you, as, as I spend time with you in your presence, as I spend time with you in your word, would you just, will you, you who are living and active, will you strip me down and not allow me to hide? But that is his promise to you. But then listen to the very next passage. The writer of Hebrews says this, therefore, amen. <laughs> so here's the word of God. It's stripping it down. You are now laid bare before him. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us take hold of our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things like we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you see the progression? As, as I come to the word, both the living word and the written word, which is living and active, he's going to strip you down and you're not going to be able to hide anything and he's going to say that. I want that. That attitude, that, that, that mindset, that, that word, that, that action, that heart, that motive, whatever it may be, that doesn't look like Jesus. And when you realize that you are literally stripped naked before him, do you, do you know do you know what kind of condemnation that would produce? Do you know what kind of heaviness that would be when, when your life is being measured to a perfect standard and you're like, woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. That's what Isaiah says when he just saw a glimpse. So what hope do we have? And the writer of Hebrews says, oh, there's a great hope because we have a great high priest. And therefore, because we know who he is and because we have relationship with him, we can boldly enter into that throne room of grace and we will receive the help, that grace and mercy for our nakedness. Isn't that beautiful? But folks, I want to do that willingly. I, I, I want to bear my soul before the Lord and just say, Lord, have at it. Whatever doesn't look like you change my life. Would you come to the word like that? Uh, would you come to, to the living word like that? Uh, would you posture yourself before the Lord that just says, Lord, I, I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. I don't want to hide anything. Change everything. Anything that doesn't look like you, I'm in. God is speaking to us, folks. This is good news. Will we listen?
Uh, pray with me. Uh, Lord, I do want to have ears to hear. Lord, I want, I, I want eyes that see. I, I do want a mind that understands and a heart that does apprehend. Lord, I, I don't want to justify behavior. I don't want to justify my attitude. I don't want to justify my motives. I, I don't want to justify my words. I, 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 Lord, will you strip me down? Would you confront me with your word and with your life? And Lord, the great news is that you are a great high priest. And I can enter into your presence with boldness, knowing that, that you have the solution, that you are the solution, that the grace and the mercy that I desperately need is you. Lord, would you, would you unstop my ears? Would you somehow pierce my ear with the all against the doorpost? Lord, Lord as, a, as a little tiny sheep, can I just... Can I get so wrapped up in your, in your arms that I just, that I know your voice? And Lord, our whole culture is yelling and screaming. We are so distracted. And Lord, though your voice is like a thunderous clap of, or mighty waters, Lord, would you do something in my soul? Would you allow me to cease striving and be still and know that you are God? And know your voice. But, but Lord, that, that's going to mean I'm going to need to spend time with you. And I'm going to need to build my life around you. And I'm going to have to walk in obedience to your word. And, but Lord, I just want to say thank you that you are speaking, that you, that you are a God that communicates, and that you have not gone silent, but you are screaming in our ears and you're banging on our foreheads. And, Lord, thank you for the, for the word of God in text and thank you for an unchanging standard and thank you for the, for the, for the presence of your spirit in our lives that, that through the Holy Spirit that you are communicating to us. And thank you for the body of believers around us. But Lord, give us ears to hear in this generation. And Lord, allow us to obey, enable us to obey. Thank you for such an opportunity. Give you all the praise and the glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.